What if as a salesperson, you could have the ability to consistently provide near perfect performance in a specific activity? And if you are a leader of a sales team, imagine having an entire team that was able to consistently provide near perfect performance in every month, every quarter, every year with their sales. What could you accomplish and achieve if that was the case? How would that affect your confidence and happiness as the salesperson? And what would that do for your turnover, the well-being of your team, and of course, the bottom line profits for everybody? That's what we're going to dive into today. I want to talk to you a little bit about how to get to that place that you are able to consistently provide near-perfect performance. All right, are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast, where we are changing the wave of the future. Like it or not, the world has changed, and as an exceptional leader, you have to change with it or risk being left behind. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Miter. I'm here to help you navigate this new leadership style. Inside the podcast, you'll discover what your team really wants and needs from you, how to tap into your God-given talents, how to increase your productivity with a strengths-based team, and how to realign with your North Star to truly enjoy your work and your life. This podcast will inspire and empower you today so you can elevate your influence into the future. If you're ready to step out of your comfort zone, then untie those dock lines and jump on board as we begin navigating your leadership. So how do we get to that place? How do we get to a place as a salesperson that we can have that near perfect performance in everything we do, in all the activities we do? Well, it's taking a step back or a step forward, however you want to look at it, and taking the time to create a strengths-based selling approach. So why do we want to do that? Well, let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now in a lot of sales teams and why what you're doing right now might not be working. And then we're going to dive into what does it look like to create a strengths-based team or a strengths-based sales approach, whether you are an individual or you lead a team. You're going to find value in this podcast. And then at the end, I have a really special announcement that I am beyond excited about that is coming out, something special coming out soon that I can't wait to share with you. Now, I am recording this episode on May 20th, 2022. So depending on when you listen to it, that special announcement may have already come to pass or it may be coming up. Okay, let's back up though. Why a strengths-based selling approach? Oh my gosh, this is too funny. If you can hear this in the background, the ice cream truck is going by and I can hear it in my speakers. So I don't know if you'll hear it in the podcast. (laughs) So if you hear music playing, it's the ice cream man coming in our neighborhood. Oh, that's what happens when you have a really great mic. It picks up every little noise. It's also really windy here. So you may be hearing that background noise as well. So I apologize for that. Hopefully my editors can do their magic and make this very easy to listen to. (laughs) So why a strengths-based selling approach? Well, each individual 
is going to excel when they can work within their own talents and strengths. And it sounds so basic, but sometimes we just forget that that little common thing, that little simple step. And you know, when I was in direct sales and I look back at how when I was at my best with sales and I received a lot, I was not one of the higher salespeople. I was probably I was steady and but I was consistently earning, you know, diamond rings, going across what we called our court of sales, achieved a lot of recognition for it, always in, you know, at a good level. And when I was at my best and enjoying the sales process, because there was definitely times that I did not enjoy the process of it. When I look back at that, is my favorite thing to do was to educate. That was how I like to approach the sales is I want to educate people. And you probably even hear that in my podcast. I love to give you some data to back things up. I love to leave you with knowledge. I love to inspire you to want to go research some more. And I'm not a big data person. That's not what I lead with. But I just love to educate people. I also enjoyed more of that intimate small group. I'm high relater. So I enjoy like two to four people. Or if I could speak from a stage and influence an entire group, or when we were doing online parties, things like that, that inspired me because I wanted to inspire others. And then I think about some of my other peers and friends who were also way better salespeople than I. And I know some of them led with high relationship building skills. Their favorite thing to do was to just really have that deep, trusting relationship with their customers. I mean, they would have open houses where they would have, you know, 20, 50, 100 people come through their open houses because they had that that really deep bond with their customers. And they would build customers totally for life, for generations. And that was what they how they excelled and enjoyed the sales process. And then I think of another friend of mine who was a master at sales, always, you know, one of the top salespeople. And she is just one of those very funny, entertaining, joy-filled people to be around. And I know that people would book appointments with her and invite their friends over because she was entertaining to them. (laughs) And they would always have a fun time. She truly brought the party to them. And of course, they would buy from her because they were having so much fun. So as you can hear, we all had our own way. And when we were able to approach the sales process in our own unique way, we did better. And it was, we enjoyed the process more. What happens, what I see, and I experienced this, you know, for myself, I know looking back, I did this to my team because I just didn't understand all of this. I was naive or not even naive. I just ignorant of it. I guess I just didn't know. And and even for myself, I experienced this in other things that I was trying to sell that I didn't do well in. And why do great, great people and potentially great salespeople often fail, quit or struggle? And what I know now is so many times we are handed, or maybe we're guilty of this, if we're the leader, we hand somebody the sales manual. Or today, we might you know, put them through a training process of videos to watch. Maybe we even have them watch what 
a top person does, you know, to shadow them for a while. The problem with that is the training manual, the training videos, and or obviously shadowing somebody, you're getting one person's perspective on how they became successful. And they may have been excellent at sales, but they they excelled because they were probably, whether they knew it or not, leaning into their own talents and strengths. So if the manual, the videos, the training is from that perspective, if this other salesperson doesn't approach and have those same talent themes, it's not going to work for them. The other thing that I saw happen in you know the sales teams was recognition. And this seems small, but it was huge. How we received recognition mattered because, and I think recognition in sales is so vital because let's face it, sales can be really, really hard. Like there is no other business out there that you hear no over and over and over again and you, you're you beat up mentally. And it's it's a hard career to be in sometimes. You have to be mentally strong and able to handle the no's, handle the rejections, being bold, able to put yourself out there to be vulnerable as a salesperson. So, hey, we deserve a lot of recognition that comes along from being an excellent in sales. But again, what I saw with the company that I was with is recognition meant prizes. It meant, yay, lots of applause. It meant bright lights and glitz and glamour and walking across the stage. And if that wasn't how you received recognition or how you wanted to receive recognition, you weren't motivated to work for it. And for some people, that was absolutely what motivated them to do. They would do anything to walk across that stage or they really loved the prizes. So that motivated them. I know for myself, I would work really hard to have a chance to speak from the mic, to speak from the stage. When we would have our national area, you know, a couple of times a year, we would gather and the top three in different categories were the ones who got to speak. And I, that's what motivated me. I wanted that ability to influence others and to be able to speak. And when my mentor finally learned that about me, she was able to use that as the carrot to motivate me. So you need to know if you're a leader, how do you motivate your team? What recognition, what, how did they want to receive recognition? Because how your company is doing it may not be what motivates them. And as an individual salesperson, you need to know what motivates you. Some people love the scoreboard and strive to be on the scoreboard. I love the scoreboard, not because I necessarily needed to be number one and I win, you lose. It was nothing to do with that. What motivated me for the scoreboard is it gave me metrics to race to. It gave me a place that, okay, I'm here and she's here. Let's run together because, you know, iron sharpens iron and together we'll get better. That motivated me. 
I did love seeing my name on the scoreboard. My husband loved seeing my name on the scoreboard. And again, it gave me the perks that came along with that. But for other people, seeing the scoreboard deflates them. It doesn't motivate them. So it's so important to know that about yourself and your people. Even how we respond to quotas, challenges, tracking, that looks different for everybody. And it comes back to our talents and themes. For some people, it's what gets them going. And for others, it overwhelms them and freezes them. And the last reason why sometimes uh, great salespeople fail, quit, or struggle is their well-meaning managers and mentors will just tell us or tell them or tell you, just go do X, Y, and Z. It's the proven formula for success. How many times have you heard that? Maybe how many times have you said that to somebody? Just follow this proven plan to success. I'm totally guilty of saying that to my team members, totally. And yes, again, that was the proven formula for a certain type of person. But if that's not who they are at their core, it's not going to work for them. And then what happens is, and maybe this is you, or maybe it's somebody you lead, that person, you feel like a failure. Like, okay, if this was the proven formula for success and it's not working for me, what's wrong with me? That's where our mind goes. We don't stop to think, wait a minute, it's the formula that's broke. And it's not even necessary that the formula is broke. The formula just doesn't work for you. It's not your formula. And again, none of that that I just mentioned is wrong. But it's forgetting the one most important factor, the individual. We each have our unique talents, which again, if you this is your first time listening to me, based from Gallup's Clifton Strengths, a talent is how we naturally think, feel, and behave. It is your talent DNA that I'm talking about. And when we can harness those talents, when we understand them better, and use them to aim at our goals. We can use the ideas, the regular training, all of the things I just mentioned, and tweak them enough so they can become our sweet spot for success. Now, there are 34 unique talent themes based on Gallup's Clifton Strengths that we could individually use. I could take time and, and talk about each 34 and how they can make a person successful, how that person could use it in sales or leadership. We don't have time to do that on today's podcast. So what we're going to do is talk about this in the lens of the domains. And what a domain is, there are four main domains from Clifton Strengths. And what they have done is they categorize, I like to look at them as four buckets. And they look at those 34 individual themes and say, oh, you belong in the influencing bucket. That theme, you belong in the relationship building bucket. Some belong in the strategic thinking bucket and some belong in the executing bucket. And the four domains, they're the natural way to just group the Clifton Strengths talents based on how the themes help people work together to accomplish goals. So it's about if everybody in that 
bucket domain, they kind of work in a similar fashion, but they approach it separately. It's very hard to explain sometimes, but basically think of each theme going into a bucket. So we're going to talk about those four domains or those four buckets today and how they show up for the salesperson. But when we are aware of our own strengths and those of our team, we can lead them to navigate what, you know, if we're an individual, how you do it well. But we also want to be wary and watch out for the blind spots that might be hindering us because each talent theme has a way of helping us be at our best. But each talent theme also has that hinder spot, that blind spot that might be stopping you from being your best. So that's what we're going to look at today is the four domains. I'm going to give you an example in each one. And don't forget, at the end, I have a very special announcement for you. So before we jump in, I just want to kind of, you know, as I was creating, you know, putting my notes together for this podcast, I just started thinking back of my 20, you know, six years in direct sales and times that I did this really well of leading my sales team and letting them use their own natural talents and strengths. Now, I didn't know about talents and strengths for a lot of my years. I was only introduced to that the last few years I was in direct sales. But I inadvertently did that for some people. And then I look back and I think about some of the women that I was privileged to have on my team. And oh my word, I wish I could go back and apologize to them and just say, I'm so sorry, because I tried to put them in the box. I tried to put them in a box of this is the way we do it in our company. This is the way you need to be doing it. Oh, don't go getting creative. This is the way we do it. (laughs) And I would almost reprimand them if they tried to use their own talents. And that is how not to lead a sales team. So I'm sharing that because I don't want you to make that same mistake. You know, I I think about all the people that could have just been so much better if I knew all of what I'm sharing with you today. So let's think about, the, let's look at these four domains. The first one's influencing. So again, we have influencing, relationship building, executing, and strategic thinking. So we're looking at the influencing. These really, if you were ever going to say that somebody was a natural salesperson, which I don't really think there is such a thing. But if you wanted to categorize a group, I would say it would be the influencing people. They are great at convincing by sheer confidence in the product or service they offer. Somebody with high influencing just seems to exude such inner confidence that it gives the person receiving it confidence in what they're saying. They naturally want what they are offering. They just exude that trust factor. They would be that person that, what's that saying? Uh, They could sell ice to an Eskimo. People with high influencing are also usually the bold action takers, which great salespeople need to be, right? They're usually really good at selling to a group, maybe better than one-on-one. They are fabulous if they're able to sell like in a workshop setting, maybe doing seminars, product demonstration seminars. They're really good at business-to-business sales. 
because again, they have that confidence. They're not afraid to go speak to a top leader at a company and, and offer their services. So they're really good in those settings of that higher end sales. One of the themes that would fall into the influencing domain would be maximizer. And if you have high maximizer, people with high maximizer, they love to help others get excited about their potential. They bring quality and excellence to everything they do. They naturally prefer working with and for the best. So again, they would really be great in a higher end sales position. The thing that might hinder somebody with high maximizer is their desire to exhaust all possible outcomes can frustrate those who are ready to make a decision and move forward. They may have a hard time resigning to a good enough decision. (laughs) Now, in contrast, somebody that, that has high restorative, they want to fix something that's broken. So if you have high restorative, you're, we never want to say they're opposite, but they're in contrast to somebody high maximizer. You want to build something great. Whereas high restorative people, they want to fix something that's broken. They look for what's broken. Maximizer, we don't have time for that. Like, no, let's just look at what's already working well. Let's make it better here. So you can see how that approach, that may be your approach if you're high maximizer. You can totally relate to all that. It's like, yes, totally. And other people are like, no, that sounds icky to me. And then we look at relationship building. Now, I am giving you the quick overview of all of these. And that's why I suggest, again, and the offer I have for you at the end, um, it's going to help you really dive deeper into this because it really, it's not, you can't learn all of this in a 30-minute podcast or a 40-minute podcast. So this is just a quick overview, hopefully to kind of give you something to think about and why and inspire you to want to go deeper with it. So relationship building, the relationship building domain, people that kind of live in that domain, they love to build those long lasting relationships. They are excellent at customer service. They're the people that, you know, will remember to write the thank you note that think of their customers when a new product comes out and makes the call and said, oh my gosh, you have to try this product. They build those customers for a life. People with high relationship building are usually great at getting referrals from their customers because again, their customers have that deep trusting relationship with them that they feel very comfortable referring them to their friends and other family members. They are usually really fabulous at listening. Empathy is one of the high relationship building themes. And people with high empathy, if you have high empathy, you have a great quality to anticipate what others' reactions, maybe even sensing what their needs are, even before they are voiced. You may understand what somebody's feeling before they can even articulate it to you, which you can imagine as a salesperson, what a gift that would be to be able to help people work through what their feelings are. The hindrance of empathy would be that for some people, that can be perceived as maybe being over-involved. 
they might have a tendency to overstep boundaries for some clients. You know, if you have a client who prefers not to really share deeper, darker feelings and secrets, they may not like that approach. A theme that's in contrast to empathy. So empathy is going to use their intuition to help them decide what to do versus somebody with high analytical They want to use data to decide what to do. Now, I'm sharing those again with you because I want you to imagine that let's say you have high empathy, but your manager has high analytical. You're going to look at things through two different lenses, and that may be competing lenses. Now, let's look at the executing domain. So the executing domain, they're the ones that get stuff done. They're not afraid to do the work. They will win by determination just by the fact that they are willing to do whatever the numbers needed to do. They are ones who will track things. They will keep focused on what do I need to do today and get it done. They love the check mark next to the to-do list. They usually have that head down focus mentality. They will take the ideas that others may come up with and run with them. And sometimes, you know, they leave people in the dust because others are still sitting back trying to figure out what's the best approach or who should I call today when they've already called 10 people. (laughs) Like executors just get it done. Consistency is one of themes that fall in the executing bucket. So somebody with high consistency, they are keenly aware of the need to treat people the same, no matter what their situation. They are the guardians of what's right and fair. Now, others often have confidence in them and see them as trustworthy because they see that the, the, the playing field is level with somebody with high consistency. They're great at policies and procedure, procedures. They could write the sales manual for you. <laughs> And they usually value the group over the individual, which kind of falls into the hinder side of consistency. So if you have high consistency, the thing you have to look out for is because you have that need to treat everyone the same, you might forget that each person is a unique individual with unique needs and motivations. And that's in contrast to somebody with high individualization who wants to customize everything. So again, if you lead with individualization, you want to customize your approach, you want to customize what you're offering, and you have a manager with high consistency, again, you can see where the conflict could arise because they're saying, no, you've got to do it by X, you know, this is the way we do it, this is the policies and procedures, and you're saying, whoa, no, I want to offer this, I want to customize. That can create some friction. And then the last domain is strategic. And the strategic domain, people have most talents in the strategic domain. They are great at creating, great at just being creative. They look at the how to promote products and services. They're great at planning the who and the what and the how. They love creating goals to chase after and and how are we going to do that? They love running the numbers. Different than the executing. Executing likes to track the numbers and make check off the boxes, whereas strategic likes to, what's our plan? How many widgets do we need to sell to reach our goal? 
I mean, that was one of my favorite things to do. I lead with influencing and strategic. I loved creating a goal board. I didn't necessarily need to check it all off, (laughs) but I loved creating it. I love crunching numbers. I loved, if we had a goal to meet, I would, you know, grab the calculator and, and I was doing this as a kid. And that's the thing. Your talents show up way back when you were a kid. They've been in you forever. I remember my dad just called a figure and there's Cheryl Ann doing her figure and, you know, I'd pull out that calculator as a, a leader or even for my own sales. How many, you know, how many sets do we need to sell to reach this goal? Like strategic loves that. They're also great at figuring out, you know, if there's a new product, what's the best approach to bring that to your clients? They always have ideas to offer, you know, again, whether it's products or service in a unique way. They love that creativity part of it. Input is one of the themes in the strategic domain. So if you lead with high input, you are probably very inquisitive and you're always looking to learn more. People with high input crave information. They love to collect books, quotes, ideas, facts, and they usually know more about a product or service than anyone else. If you lead a team, Don't you want somebody with input on your team? Because they're your go-to person that you could say, so-and-so, you should do the demo for the entire team and talk about this product. So the team learns about it. The customers may not need to know all the things somebody with high input teaches. But as a sales team, you should know all that information. Or if a customer asks a question, you know to go to somebody with high input, they're going to have the answer or they will happily find the answer for you. Now, the hinder, the uh, blind side to look out for if you have high input is that your need to collect all that information may lead to, (laughs) I love this, intellectual clutter. (laughs) If you have that, you know what that means. And this is the bigger thing. It can also, your need to have all the facts and information can be way too much information overload and you'll overwhelm your clients. They're ready to buy, and you still want to give them all the great information you have about that product. And they're already sold. So you can, uh, we used to say you could talk them into it, and then you end up talking them right out of it. (laughs) So you talk them into the sale, and you keep on talking, and you talk them right out of the sale. High input people are totally guilty of that one. So in contrast, somebody with high input you know, they have all this information that they're looking at. And then somebody with high focus, they just want to concentrate on like one idea, one thing, and let's just run with that. So as we're closing this out, can you start to really see that if you were trained or you have a manager, or maybe that's you who leads with high influencing maybe, but you're high relationship building. and Influencing very low for you, where the struggle would be, because you can't do what they did to be successful. Or if you are that leader, your people can't always follow you. And we used to say you have to be duplicatable to be a successful leader. And I don't, now knowing what I know now, I don't think that's necessarily true. You have to be 
able to be duplicatable in a way that allows others to work in their own talents and strengths. And hopefully you're seeing and hearing how knowing your talents and those, if you lead a team of your team, would help you, whether you're prospecting for new leads, whether you're doing a sales presentation, customer service, you know, all those things that go into great sales and sales teams. When you can lean into your own talents, you're going to be better. And when you can create a team that has those different domains, those different talents, you can create a really dynamic sales team that can lean on each other when you need to pull from different abilities. So the goal is to take those talents that you have, you already have inside of you and turn them into a strength. And Gallup's definition of strengths is that it's the ability to consistently provide near-perfect performance in a specific activity. Sound familiar? We talked about that at the very beginning of those podcasts. That's what I want for you. And when you start really looking at your talent themes, diving into them, using them, investing in them, that's how they turn into a strength. Okay, let's take a deep breath now. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I totally get it now, Sherry. I see what you're saying. I understand this. I, you know, realize the value in leaning into talents and strengths to be successful as a salesperson. I have some exciting news for you. So the big announcement is there is a new report coming out from Gallup. It's a new Selling with Strengths report. Now, it's not available until June 1st. So again, depending on when you're listening to this, because today's May 20th, we still have a, I still have a few days to wait for this. And I am chomping at the bit for this report. I'm so excited about it because it's taking what I'm passionate about and, and giving me an opportunity to really take it out there to people that I'm passionate about. So taking strengths and sales and leadership and creating thriving teams and thriving people in business and life, taking all of that into a beautiful report. And it's married to the Clifton Strengths 34. So if you haven't done the Clifton Strengths 34 yet, I recommend go ahead and get that done now and start diving into that. I'd welcome you to set up a 90-minute session with me where you can, you get the assessment if you haven't taken that yet and a 90-minute call where we go through that. And I actually have an anniversary special because uh, last, it was in 20, uh, May is my anniversary for becoming a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach. So I'm offering that package at $50 off. So it's very cost-effective. So you can send me an email, check out, go to my website, sherrymiterco.com get all the details on that. You can actually click it and book it and take care of all of that in one swipe. So get that done now and then you'll be ready to go with the Selling with Strikes. Or if you want to wait until June 1st, there'll be some promos coming out along with that as well. But the May special for the $50 off is pretty darn good deal. So anyway, back to the Selling with Strikes report. So I'm 
going to be doing some strategic thinking and planning between now and June 1st. And I know I'm going to be offering some workshops for sales teams, one-on-one coaching for those elite salespeople who really want to um, achieve some big things, and possibly some other hybrid type of thing. Workshops will be in person and virtual because I know we need those options. I'm not exactly sure what everything is going to look like yet because we just got the news on this report. Well, we've known about it, but we just got privy on it, all the details on it this week. But if you are interested in learning more about the Selling with Strengths report, learning more about the workshops to offer for your sales team, maybe you're looking for that one-on-one elite salesperson coaching, uh, reach out to me because I will be looking for those first people and offering some really sweet deals for the first people who you know invest in the report and invest in working with me on it because I want to get my own results. I want to see how valuable this really is. I think it's going to be super valuable, but I love to have the real behind this, you know, the real results from real clients. So send me a message. You know how to reach me. If you listen to the podcast, you can email me at sherry at navigatingyourleadership.com. You can go to my website and, you know, fill out a form there to reach out to me. Find me on Facebook. Lots of ways to reach out to me. It's all in the show notes. And yeah, so I'm just super excited. But don't forget, if you are interested in the Clifton Strengths, discover your your strengths 90-minute call before you get the Selling with Strengths report. Let me know. It's $50 off. And if I can be of service to you anyway, if you have any questions about any of the talents or strengths or anything I cover today, please, please, please reach out. I am here to serve you. And I am so excited to help see you and your sales team really start consistently providing that near-perfect performance in everything you do to excel in business and life. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Navigating Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Miter. My hope and prayer is that today's episode left you feeling inspired and empowered with some tangible steps to implement today. But honestly, the podcast is just the beginning. Through my coaching, my clients learn how to lean into their strengths to create their unique style of leadership, along with gaining strategies to create dynamic and productive teams, teams with a mutual passion and respect for each other. Whether you just need a few small course corrections or you feel like you need an entirely new ship to lead, I do love a challenge. I'd love to invite you to send me a DM Or better yet, let's hop on a call and see how we can continue this leadership journey together. The link to book a call is in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you.